foes and we smoke Butterfly doors, mink coats and clean clothes Shit, that's all a nigga knows Sliding, dipping on 84s Wrapped in bowls Cold, I'm too froze So part in my road go Bank roads and city lights Living at night So we going hard like every night That's every night Stuntin' flexin' I'm on, nigga Green gang supreme Don't get it wrong, nigga Hold on, nigga, um Why I pull up a foe? Broads already naked before we step through the door. No need to give us a second. We bout to get them a show. Paying these bitches to wish as soon as they get on the floor. Yeah, so give it up for them. blowing money fast, so we had enough for them. Ain't throwing money, we just throwing dreams, hoping they can catch it. Having the good conscience, acting reckless. They ride on foes, pocket full of dough. Haters gon' hate, but you already know. Bottles everywhere, we got models at the door. About to get it poppin', Mark said, here we go. Riding on foes, pocket full of dough. Haters gon' hate, but you already know. Living life fast like tomorrow ain't close. Go hard or go home, so the boys deserve a toast. On the mission, eating this paper, this is how it goes. Haters try to set you up to leave you selling froze. What's good, amazing fam? I want to welcome y'all to another episode of the It's So Amazing podcast. I'm your host, Boss The Truth. And if this is your first time tuning in, you can catch us every week on your favorite podcasting app. And if you want to catch the video version, you can catch us on YouTube. Search my channel, Amazing Films, and you can catch out the video version of this podcast on that channel. So, um... How y'all been doing, man? Your boy been under the weather for a little bit, man. I caught a little cold at the end of last week. And I've been fighting it, trying to trying to get back and get get better and feel better. Haven't been feeling like doing anything. I had to pretty much struggle and push myself to put out the videos for the YouTube this week. And then, as far as the podcast is concerned, shit, I normally pick out my podcast topics right around Saturday. Now I finalize them Sunday. And then on Monday, I record the podcast. So if you ever have a question or a, a, a thought of why he didn't talk about such and such or talk about this on a specific episode that came out that week, it's either two things. One, I seen a topic. I didn't really care for the topic. Or I don't have an opinion on the topic. Or two, the situation or the story or whatever happened that unfolded, it came after I already recorded the podcast. So those are the two scenarios that would happen if you're wondering why I didn't talk about a certain topic. But we here, man. Let's get straight to this shit, bro. Justin Timberlake. So Justin Timberlake, Mr. Cry Me a River, Mr. I'll bring a sexy back has sold his entire music catalog for reportedly hundred million dollars. Now the news broke this week and I've seen a lot of people fall on two different sides of the coin. Some people were saying, damn good for him. That's a lot of money. And he'll be able to do some good things with that. Then I also seen a lot of people saying, why did he sell his whole catalog so low for so less money? 
Now, me, I kind of used to fall on that ladder thinking when I first started seeing a lot of people sell their music catalogs. But I've come to the realization that we really don't know. And these business deals that they doing to sell a catalog are good business deals. And I'm going to break it down for you guys. So, when you think about an artist like Justin Timberlake, he's had a great run or great career as a solo artist. He has multi-platinum albums. Damn it, every solo album that he done put out has been multi-platinum. Hits after hits. He has classic and timeless songs as a solo artist. So that will beg you to think of the question of why would he sell this shit for so low? Now, a lot of people in the later years or right now has been talking about ownership, owning their masters and passing it down to family and generations and generations and shit like that. Now, I do agree with that. But at the same time, you have to know what to do with those masters when you actually own them. See, a lot of people be like, oh, I want to own my masters. He should own his masters. Yeah and no. You can own your masters and still not know what to do with it. And then in the grand scheme of things, you just own your masters. You ain't making no money from it because you don't know how to get no sync licensing deals to license the music out for people to play it so you can generate some revenue. It's all kind of things you got to think about when it comes to owning your masters. And that even goes back to people with the whole debate about being independent or signing to a major label. And I'm not going to get into that because we got a topic that we're going to get to after this one that I'm going to go into that with a little bit later. But to stick on this Justin Timberlake topic, do I think $100 million is a low-ball offer for Justin Timberlake's music catalog? Yes and no. I say yes because, like I said and stated before, Justin Timberlake's solo career has been fruitful. He has timeless classic music as a solo artist that these songs will be played from decades and decades when time to come. I just feel like this music is timeless and it will last the test of time. But I also say no because when you think about it in the microwave era that we live in now, say an artist say their album dropped this Friday. Friday comes, the album drops, the people listen to it, and then they might listen to it maybe another week, and then you really pushing it if they listen to it another week after that. After that, People has moved on. They're not checking out those albums anymore. And that's just the microwave, what have you done for me now mentality that people is listening to when they listen to this music, when they consuming these movies, when they consuming these shows. When you consuming anything, we just in a consumption era. And when you have so much at your disposal, it's kind of hard to just stay put on 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 a certain project or a certain TV show or a certain movie or a certain song. It's just not going to happen in today's age. People have short attention spans and they're not going to keep 
listening to that music. So that's why I say this wasn't a bad deal because in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, when you try to talk about people having their masters and owning their masters and they're going to keep generating this money year after year for their grandkids and their grandkids' kids and stuff like that, you have to think about when that, whenever whatever project they put out first came out, the artist and the label already made the bulk of the money that's going to be generated from that project, from them songs. Now... Will there still be money being generated year after year? Yes, but it'll be nothing like the initial money that they made at the beginning when the project first came out. And that's why I think a lot of these artists are signing away a lot of their music catalog because it's like they looking at it like this. I can get a big lump sum of money. Sign over my catalog to these guys for a certain period of time. That's another thing a lot of people are not thinking about. These people that signing over their catalog to this company, and the company that they pretty much signed it over to is called Hypnosis Music Group or something like that. And um, they don't have exclusive rights for in perpetuity forever and shit like that. This is going to be an ironclad kind of like a license agreement for a certain period of time. And then I'm pretty sure Justin Timberlake would get back his masters or his music catalog. But for that, say, say he sold it for a 10 year period. So for that 10 year period, they paying Justin Timberlake a hundred million dollars up front. He get that bag. He ain't got to do nothing. The music ain't got to do nothing. That's his money. But in that 10 year period, Whatever money that those songs generate, say the songs in his whole catalog generate more than that hundred million they gave him, so be it. That's what the company is paying for. They think that this catalog is that valuable that they gonna get the money that they invested plus interest, and that's why I say it's a good deal for the artist and it's a good deal for the people that's buying the catalog now. The question I have and want to pose is, why are a lot of artists selling their catalog to begin with? Now, you can say that maybe some artists are hurting, they need that money. Anytime you throw a, a big lump sum of money in front of somebody, people are going to take it nine times out of ten. I know a lot of people will be like, well, money ain't everything, or they already hundreds of millionaires they got money why would they sell their catalog they can they can pass it down to their family and stuff like that i understand that sentiment and that in that thinking but at the same time if somebody offered me a hundred million for my catalog and i know that i'm not gonna see a hundred million from my catalog in no time soon maybe it'll it'll generate a hundred million dollars when I'm damn near almost dead and in the casket, okay, cool, but I can get this hundred million right now, flip it, invest it, or do whatever the hell I want to do. Shit, just sit back and chill if I want to. I can do that, and then once the time is over, get my masters back and hand it down to my family and stuff like that. So you can look at it both ways. It is a good idea for some of these artists that are established that have these classic records to 
kind of license or sell their music catalog for a big lump sum of money. But to get back to the question, why are these artists doing this? One, maybe they need the money. Two, like I said, maybe in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it, they know that how much money these songs is bringing in. So they like, well, I got somebody offering me a hundred million. And so far in the last five years, these songs done made me 10 million. You know what I'm saying? So once they quantify that and do the numbers, they like, it's going to take me yeah, 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 this amount of years to make this money. So they grab it. You know what I'm saying? And plus another thinking that they might have is, that's my old catalog. I'm still an artist that's making music today. I still think I got something in a tank. I still think I can make better music. So they can have all my old shit and I'm going to just create some new shit. And they still own the rights and retain the rights to their new catalog that they creating. Now, the first artist that I seen do this or sell a catalog was The Dream. And when that news first broke, I was like, I kind of felt like the dream was broke because this was before you start seeing a lot of people start selling their catalog. And I'm like, damn, I know my nigga dream ain't down bad like that. Excuse me, because he hadn't really been writing no songs for nobody anymore. He hasn't put out any album as a solo artist anymore. And if you've been wondering where the dream has been, the dream is in fashion school. He's he's trying to be a designer. I don't I'm not going to say why or what made him want to do that. He has a right to do that if that's the, his passion now and that's what he wants to do. So that's what he been doing. That's what he been up to. He's been in design school, learning to, to design fashion. But when he sold his catalog, that was my first thought. Damn, my nigga damn bad. Why he sell his catalog? Because Dream is one of the biggest songwriters of our generation. It's like, why would you sell your catalog, bro? Like, going back to that thinking, you gonna make so much money over the years and stuff like that. And he sold his for a lowball offer. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say Dream sold his catalog for $20 million. That's super low. So it's like, it's kind of iffy and it's kind of go by artist by artist. So right now, the people that I can think about off the top of my head done sold that catalog. We got Justin Timberlake. We got The Dream. Timberland done sold his catalog. L.A. Reid done sold his catalog. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of people that done sold their catalog. I think No ID sold his catalog. Like it's a lot of producers, singers, songwriters, and artists selling their catalog for these big lump sums of money. And I can't hate on it. And I don't blame them one bit. Do your thing, get your money, and it is what it is. Now, before we move off this topic, I want to pose the question: Does masters even matter? anymore like i said when a lot of people hear these stories about these artists selling a catalog or stuff like that it's like damn bro why can't we ever just hold on to something that's one thing 
when you hear about these families like the Rothschilds and all these other people that created this generational wealth and stuff like that, they've been building on top of building on top of building from family to generation to generation. They just keep building and building and they always up. I feel like we can never do that as African-American and as a hip hop culture. I feel like we always take the quick money, the right thing and their money and we blow it or we don't set no instructions or guidance for the people that's coming behind us to build on top of that success and build on top of that financial wealth so we can keep and have our names keep going on and bringing that legacy to our names and stuff like that. So I think masters still matter. I just think we need to find other avenues and other ways. And I think that's kind of why people are selling their catalog is because they can get this quick money. They going to get their masters back. And it's a win-win for both of them. It's a win-win for the artists right then and there. And then it's a win-win for the people that they want to pass the masters on down to because they get them back and they still get to eat off of that money too, plus the money that they got for selling it off in the first place. Now, to segue into the next topic, let's talk about Rick Ross. So, the biggest boss... M.I.A. yo, Ricky Rose has dropped his last record on Epic Records and um, he is now a free agent. Now, a lot of artists get to this point where at one period they scorching hot and then after that scorching hot period they have a period where they still putting out consistent music but it's not doing the numbers that it was doing at the forefront. And then they get on that tail end where it's kind of over. Now, Ross is kind of in between at the moment of the music is still good, but it's not selling the same. And I'm not going to say it's over for Ross because I feel like Ross can always have um, a voice in hip-hop because he's just a great artist and musician when it comes down to it at the end of the day. But I feel like it kind of is over for Ross. Now, the question I want to pose is, should Rick Ross sign another major label deal or should he go independent? Now, you have two sides of the coin. Some people will say, you're already an established artist. Why not go independent and reap more of the benefits when it comes to the financial aspects with getting more or a bigger piece of the pie? Then you have the other people thinking, why don't you use other people's money, OPM, shout out to that boy Dom Kennedy, use other people's money, i.e. a major label, have them pour all that money into you, marketing and promoting you and stuff like that. That way you don't have to do all the legwork 
and you still can kind of reap the benefits because you're a seasoned vet, so you're not going to be signing no rookie-ass deal anyways. You're going to have a deal structure where it's beneficial to you and your family to begin with. Me personally, I feel like Ross, me looking at the numbers and me knowing Ross as a marketer and a promotional genius that he is, I feel like he should go independent. And I think, well, no, I ain't going to say that. I know Ross is going to end up probably signing another major label deal. And that's one of the problems that I have when it comes to these artists. On one end of the spectrum, they always promoting and champion ownership, ownership, be independent. You don't need nobody. Let's do it on our own. And then on the other hand, like I said, when it goes back to the Justin Timberlake shit, when somebody got that that quick bag in front of you, it's kind of hard to say no to that bag. So you will have people that don't want to do all that legwork and just want to sit back, produce their music, put it out, let the fans do what they're going to do with it, and let that be it at the end of the day. I feel like Ross could be one of those artists that could do it on his own. Like I said, he is a great promotional person. I feel like he has the charisma. I feel like he has the good businesses and brains to do it independently. But like I always say, we never take that leap of faith and do it on our own. So I feel like Ross is going to sign to a major label. He's already said that he's shopping his next album around. He already in talks with other labels, including his old label that signed him from the beginning, which is Def Jam Records. So, if anything, he'll probably end up going to Def Jam because in the grand scheme of things, Def Jam Records don't really have any marquee premier artists to begin with. So, they will sign Ross, give him a little bag just to have him under the Def Jam moniker and revenate Revenate, um, bring in some revenue for Def Jam Universal Music Group. So that's the kind of route that I see Ross taking. Now, I want to think about: Do people still care about Ross? And my answer to that is: uh, If you look at the numbers when it comes to the album, no. But when you look at the impact and just the culture and who Ross is, I say yes. I feel like we need to kind of rethink how we look at people when it comes to consuming the music. Like, should we recalculate or reevaluate how we count albums? It used to be. How many CDs, cassettes, and singles people sold or vinyls. Then it went to how many ringtones you sold. And then it went to how many ringbacks. If you don't know what ringbacks is, it's kind of making me old and it's kind of dating me. But a ringback was back in the day. And when I say this, you're everybody who's my age will know this. Um. When smartphones was first coming out, 
you could buy what is called a ring back and it would be like a small clip of a song. So when you call somebody's phone, instead of the phone saying and ringing, the actual ring back would play. So an actual snippet of a song would play. And I used to think that was so dope. And I remember when I had my sidekick and shit, I used to have like ring backs of my favorite songs and shit like that. So it went from that. Then it went to the streaming shit. And I'm all for the streaming shit because I feel like with the streaming, you get to hear all the music. Back in the day, you only had a little bit of money and you had to make it work with whatever you got. You had to pick, uh, Wayne came out this day, Ye came out this day, which one do I want to, you know what I'm saying? You had to choose your favorite. You couldn't just listen to Wayne and then when you was done with Wayne, listen to Kanye. You couldn't do that back then unless you just had the money to buy the CDs. Now, with the streaming, I can listen to the new Kendrick and after that, Oh, Yo Gotti just dropped something? I can listen to the new Yo Gotti and so on and so on because I'm paying this small $9.99 a month to be able to stream hundreds of millions of songs. Now, I do like that as a consumer, but I feel like it hurts the artist and the label because we need to kind of reevaluate how the consumer is consuming the music because... They try to break down the amount of streams an artist get in that first week the album come out and break it down into album sales. I don't like that because it doesn't really add up when you look at it because an artist can have 100 million streams that week and then he only sold, what, 40 or 50,000 albums out of 100 million streams. So I think we should get away from album sales and kind of base it more on streams. I think we should base it on streams, video views, uh, social media engagement, whatever the numbers is, excuse me, I know they can get those numbers and calculate them and do it like that. I feel like that's more of a better gauge of the impact somebody has when they coming out at this day and age, because try to still be like, Oh, such and such sold this many albums. It, it don't work because people are not buying albums. You really can't even buy an album anymore. Apple got rid of iTunes. So you can't buy an album like that anymore. So it's all streaming now, bro. Like, come on. You maybe can go to Target and get a limited edition CD and stuff like that. But in the grand scheme of things, nine times out of ten, everybody is streaming this music. And if you, from just a regular neighborhood Joe Schmo, a lot of people are still illegally downloading music. It's just no way around it, bro. So I think we need to reevaluate how we look at these artists when it comes to these album sales and music streams like we gotta come up with something else billboard with the whole sound scan shit it gotta be another way i know they done did all kind of maneuvers they done added this 
First, you can add merch so people can buy T-shirts. And if you buy a T-shirt, it come with a free album. And a lot of artists were using that to their benefits, like Travis Scott and Nicki Minaj and uh, Nav. And that's how they was getting those big numbers. But then Billboard was like, nah, we got to get rid of that shit because people is using it to their advantage. And that's one thing you're going to always have. You're going to always have people that want to, excuse me, manipulate the system. They always going to find some kind of loophole and it's always going to ruin it for everybody else. So I really do think they need to reevaluate how we look at these album consumption and music sales because this ain't the move, bro. Speaking of this not the move, uh, Nori was in the news this week and he had put out a post on Twitter, a vague post, a subliminal post. And he was pretty much upset that, and asking a question, why do artists always go outside the culture to promote whatever they got, whether it's an album, clothes, or anything, shoes, anything. Why they always go outside the culture and never fuck with the people inside the culture that fuck with them. Now, when Nori said this, it was real convenient when he said it because Cardi B just so happened to have did an interview with David Letterman. Now, everybody know who David Letterman is. He one of the big time goats in nighttime television when it comes to late night TV and stuff like that. I think he has a new deal with Netflix where he has his own show with them. So she ended up doing some kind of interview where they went to the bodega to get a chopped cheese and shit like that. Trying to remind everybody she's still from New York. She's still from the Bronx. She's still humble and stuff like that. That's what I took from it. But he kind of got upset and he went on a little Twitter tirade. But he does bring up a good question. Why do these artists show love to everybody outside of the culture? Why not fuck with a Gillian Wallow a million dollars worth of game? Why not fuck with a Nori in EFN at Dream Champs? Why not fuck with a Academics on Off The Record Podcast? I hate how... A lot of these artists, when they first come out, they'll fuck with the people that's been championing them. But once they get their big break and they become the biggest thing ever, they forget about the people that was fucking with them in the beginning. Now, Cardi B is not that type of artist. Cardi B never forgets who was fucking with her and championing her to begin with. And that's why a lot of people was kind of mad at Nori for even kind of insinuating that he was talking about Cardi B. Now, I did see a headline today before I even got on this pod. He said he wasn't talking about Cardi B, but there's no way that he didn't come out in his face and put out that tweet when Cardi B had just so happened. That day, the same day he came out saying this shit, did an interview with David Letterman. And... I'm pretty sure he's probably been already hitting up Cardi B trying to get her to come on the Drink Champs podcast. Now, 
I'm going to play devil's advocate when it comes to Cardi B and when it comes to Nori. Now, one reason Cardi B could have chose to do David Letterman is because when you in a certain demographic or a certain genre and you feel like you already tapped into that demographic and that genre, you want to broaden your horizons and tap into an untapped market that might not be tapped into you already. So that's why they go outside of the culture and do these interviews or podcast sit-downs with these other people because they might have an audience that's not too keen or not too privy on who this artist is or what they doing or things of that nature. So that's why they're going out there and doing these outside ventures and stuff like that instead of fucking with the people in the culture. But at the same time, I do agree with Nori. You need to fuck with the people in the culture because when you fuck with the people in the culture like a a Gillian Wallow or a Nori, that only elevates them and give their platforms the eyes and notoriety and respect that it deserves. And it solidifies them to become looked at as like a David Letterman or a breakfast club or something like that and give you that prestige that those type of people have. But if you had an artist that keep going outside of the culture and fucking with a Zane Lowe or something like that, like who just put out garbage ass interviews or these softball ass question interviews, it's like, come on, bro. Like we fuck with you, Cardi. Now he said he wasn't talking about Cardi, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, that nigga was talking about Cardi, bro. But it's bigger than Cardi because I do see a lot of artists do that. Now, do they, meaning the artists, have an obligation to fuck with the culture? I'm going to say, I say yeah, man. I'm going to say yeah because... Pretty much what I just said, bro. Like, we have to champion our own. Even when you think about the whole award situation, when you always have us whining and complaining about, oh, the Grammys didn't nominate me or they gave my Grammy to such and such and stuff like that. Who gives a shit, bro? Like, why didn't you show up to the BET Awards when they nominated you for four categories and you won two categories and when they go up there to present the award they say and the award goes to cardi b and then the person say i like to accept this award on behalf of cardi b she couldn't be here that night tonight but we gonna make sure yada 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 i don't want to hear that bro i don't want to hear no complaining about other people when you not fucking with the people that's fucking with you to begin with bruh like you gotta fuck with your own people you have to champion your own people go to the BET awards go to the soul train awards go to the NAACP awards you know what I'm saying we have to champion our own stuff bruh we can't be complaining about all oh, the white people got it wrong but at the same time ignoring our own people that got it right it don't make no sense bro now i really think they need to 
sit down with the culture, bro. Like, you can do both. Don't do one and then neglect the other. You can do both. You can multitask, bro. Show love to who show love back to you, bro. That's all I that's all I feel like when you think about it, bro. Like Stop being cornballs at the end of the day. Stop using people. Like my wife has sent me a post of my uh cat that just jumped on me a while ago if you watching the video version. That's my boy Gray. And um she uh she sent a picture of him laying on her and, and she was like I I forgot what I said. I think I asked her what she was doing. She was like being used and I was like I had hit her with that old saying, if you can't be used, you useless. And that's a true statement. But at the same time, let's stop using people. Let's stop using people for what we need them for. And then once we got all of whatever we needed from them, we just discard them, throw them to the side and move on to the next person we want to use and abuse. Let's stop doing that, bro. Let's start showing love and giving love back to the people that actually fuck with us and actually appreciate what we do when it comes to this music, when it comes to this culture, and stuff like that. Now, before we get out of here, I want to pose the question of the week. And the question of the week is, does beef slash diss records still get you excited? Now, I want to pose this question because I've been thinking about this lately. And um, me personally, beef records and diss records, I can really care less about that when it comes to hip-hop and rap these days. Now, I feel like when I was growing up and hip-hop was my, my, my first love, it was everything. I breathe, sleep, sheep shit eat this hip-hop shit like i love hip-hop i was hip-hop when you're a teenager and you growing up with this shit and you're evolving and you finding out who you are as a man or as a woman or as a person and you finding out your favorite artists that you like and they dissing this person that person dissing them back it was it was exciting it was it was a part of the culture. Beefing was, has always been a part of hip-hop culture. Disc records has always been a part of hip-hop culture. And I feel like it was at the peak when I was in my younger teenage, early 20 days. Now, I'm in my mid-30s, and I can really care less. I feel like when I really think about it, I feel like it's a detriment to the artist because it kind of takes the ball takes your eye off the ball of what they really was presenting in the first place. When you listen to an artist, you want to listen to great music, a great body of work. You don't want to hear them dissing some other nigga that's rapping. Like, why do we care about them dissing other artists? Why does that matter? Now, I feel the people that say, well, come on, bro, you can't say that this... Dissing is a part of hip-hop. Hip-hop is a contact sport. You have a lot of people that like to say that. Hip-hop is a contact sport. Steel sharpens steel. So why not have a little back and forth if it's not going to hurt anybody? And that's where the problem lies. 
when it was just sticking on wax and it was just bars being thrown back and forth between people, I didn't see a problem with that because it was just music, bruh. It wasn't no real beef. People was just showing, hey, I think I'm better than you and I'm going to prove it. Here's these bars. Hold that. That's how I feel like people was giving it up. But now, when people putting out diss records, the diss record is coming after the disrespect and the also altercations that came already before they got to the diss record. So they'll get into altercations and back and forth with people, then bring the music in when back then it was strictly music back and forth, just bars. But if people took it seriously, then it spilled over into the streets. When With today's age, when it comes to these artists and these younger generation, man, like, you can't really call it, bro. Like, you can't really... Well, you can't. You have to take what they say at face value, bro. Like, if they saying they gonna do this and they gonna do that, you really gotta believe them because I feel like these younger artists don't give a fuck about their careers and they willing to throw it away at the blink of an eye. Just like that. They don't care because they want to prove they who they say they is. You know what I'm saying? They want to prove that reputation. They not going to hop on a record and say they about this, they about that, and not back it up with some actual action. That's how I feel these artists are just, they crash dummies, bro. Like, they just crash dummies. They don't care about their careers. They willing to throw it away just to prove some people that they don't know that's hot behind screens amping shit up. So that's why I think beef and diss records don't excite me anymore. What about you? Do you think beef and diss records still excite you? And if they do, Leave me a comment below if you're watching the video version. Let me know. Leave me a comment in the ratings app or whatever podcasting app you is. And uh, I'm going to set up my IG so y'all can send me DMs to send me maybe stories that y'all might want me to cover on a podcast and stuff like that. Because sometimes we're going to have some slow news weeks and I'm going to be trying to pull out some stories out my ass paws. To try to make up a good show for y'all to listen to. But I'm going to uh, get that to y'all probably next week. But uh, I want to thank y'all, man, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate y'all for checking out this podcast. I appreciate y'all for fucking with me for another week. Like I said at the beginning, you can catch us every week, every Friday on your favorite podcasting app. And if it's not on your podcasting app, please let me know. I'm going to try to make sure it's on everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. You can check out the video version of this podcast. Like I said, on YouTube.com. Search my channel. It's called Amazing Films. The same way the podcast is spelled. A-M-A-Y-E-S-N Films. That's my YouTube channel. You can catch the video version of the podcast every week on there. And, uh, yeah, man, thank y'all, bro. Like, I really appreciate everybody that's been tuning in. And uh, tell a friend to tell a friend, man. Keep this momentum going. And I'm going to catch y'all next week. It's your boy, Boss. We out this thing. Holla at your boy, boy. Peace.